and I'm Kat, and welcome to the Crime Chat. I am your forensic femme fatale, Natalie is your true crime addict connoisseur. We're just two normal girls who obsess about dark crimes, evil minds, and occasionally the unknown, with a side of fava beans and a nice Chianti. Mmm, very fancy. Cheers. Cheers. Uh-huh. Ah, cheers, my forensic femme fatale <laughs> cup. Here's your disclaimer chatters. The following crime chat contains adult content and descriptions of violent scenarios today, so your listener discretion is advice. You have been warned, and before we get into today's crime chat, Kat, what have you done? Well, mm. the little reprieve that we were taking, uh, watching The Big Bang Theory, totally binged it all the way through. So easy to watch. You know, it's really, 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 really fast. It's 12 seasons. How- I was going to say, you binged 12 seasons? Yeah. <laughs> I did. Yeah. 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 But, <laughs> but we did pick back up on um, starting back into The Walking Dead. So mm-hmm. we're in season seven right now where Negan's making all of his chaos and everything. Yeah. So we kind of picked that back up again. And I think partially due to that is from The Last of Us. Like, I've seen Pedro Pascal everywhere now. He's freaking hot. He is. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm just like, he's like everywhere now, which is awesome. Good for him. Yeah. To make yeah, it. he's so charismatic. Very. And then we watched, um, you probably have seen the trailer for it, Murder Mystery 2 on Netflix. Yes, I have seen the trailer. Did you, is it good? Yes. It's, I mean, it's a lot like the first one, mm-hmm. um, but we like the first one. It's just kind of like a kooky comedy with a spin of crime and murder. So, but Yeah, they're a good pair. They are. They have a lot of chemistry together. They are. Well, what about you? So I watched The House of Hammer. You did? How was that? Mm-hmm. It's a dark story. So it's about four generations of the Hammer family. So mm-hmm. the Hammer family, everybody immediately thinks like Arm and Hammer. Okay. The deodorant. Uh-huh. But it's not. Armin's Hammer is the a man who basically gave us Oxycontin. Oh, okay. So he's like one of the most wealthiest people families mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. I feel like the 14th most wealthiest family in America. And also he owns oil rigs. Mm-hmm. Back in the 90s, he had like the worst spill of global history. Ooh. You can Google it and like look yeah. it up, but like 170 people died during the explosion. Mm-hmm. Really bad. Now, was that a, is it a documentary? It is. Okay. So it's based on the family and the men in the family. It's based actually on the book that the granddaughter wrote, Casey Hammer, mm-hmm. who is now alienated from the family, like nobody will talk to her. <laughs> she wrote this book years ago, and it was about her survival of this family and how the men were with the women, and you know, and her story about being um, sexually assaulted or raped from her mm-hmm. father and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But she painted a picture where it started as early... From her great-grandfather coming over who was like a communist and the documentary somebody asked him arm and hammer the real powerful one during the i think it was the reagan administration why he didn't run for president and why did he let reagan run for president he's like because hmm. there's not enough power in being a president wow it's a dark story and it, and it leads up to the guy that we know now which is army hammer which is the actor from call me by your name i don't know that i've I'm even aware of, like, the Hammer family. Like, it's completely oblivious to me. But when you watch it, you're going to be like, holy shit. And apparently their their treatment of all women is obscene. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it kind of reminds me of the Murdoch's. Worse. The Murdoch's have nothing on this family. Like, go, watch it. It's, it's okay. crazy. Then there's murder. Okay. Okay. That's murder. 
this family mm-hmm. goes back to some sadistic, sadomasochistic tendencies. And mm-hmm. the granddaughter mm-hmm. said that there was a throne that somebody built for Armand, which was this enormous throne. And nobody technically has seen the throne outside of the family. Big, huge wooden throne. And underneath the seat is a cage with a hook. That's where he would put the women that he was mm-hmm. messing with. Oh. Real, oh. real horrible shit. So, yeah, I would recommend it. Okay. (laughs) Okay. The other thing is I got tickets for the Paranormal Circus. (gasps) Yes, my bestie went to that. Did she like it? Loved it. Yes. Yes. Oh, I can't wait to hear about it. She she was in Florida, so she lives over in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. And her and her husband went. It was like for, it was sometime last year. So I'm, I'm guessing it's like a traveling circus. So maybe like this time of year, because she just had her birthday. Um, and I want to say it was a birthday present last year. Uh-huh. So maybe it's it's making its way, you know, back around again. But she said it was amazing. Good. So, I can't wait to see it. Yay. No, that's awesome. And that's that. Well, before, that's <laughs> before we jump into your story today, we do have one um, so I'm going to go over two articles. One of them is kind of like a, I don't know how say like an update, but a crime chat recap. So our chatter Robert out there sent me an article about a Russian spy who was acting under the ruse of being a Johns Hopkins University student in Washington, D.C. So this article is from the Washington Post, and it says, quote, like anyone who gets in his dream college, Victor Mueller Ferreira was ecstatic when he was admitted to Johns Hopkins University Graduate School in Washington, D.C. in 2018. The achievement was even sweeter for Ferreira because he was not the striving student from Brazil he had portrayed on his Johns Hopkins application, but a Russian intelligence operative originally from Kalingrad. According to a series of international investigations, as well as an indictment, the Justice Department filed in federal court on Friday, and the Friday they're referring to would have been March 24th. That's his re- like now. Like, oh my yeah, God. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So his real name is Sergei Trukasov, I believe is how you say his last name. Trukasov. He spent nearly a decade building the fictitious Ferreira persona, according to officials and court records, and his quote-unquote team was a tight circle of Russian handlers suddenly poised to have a deep cover spy in the U.S. Capitol, positioned to forge connections with every corner of the American security establishment from the State Department to the CIA. Using access gained during his two years in Washington, Trukasov filed reports to his bosses in Russian military intelligence service, the GRU, we talked about that, the GRU during in the Robert Hansen case, on how senior officials in the Biden administration were responding to the Russian military buildup before the war in Ukraine. And this was according to an FBI affidavit. Later on, a little bit in the article, it goes on to say, the revelations have also exposed serious lapses in Russian tradecraft. Authorities have mined Cherkasov's computer and other devices found a trove of evidence, according to court records and security officials, including emails to his Russian handlers, details about quote-unquote dead drops. We talked about dead Uh drops. Where messages could be left, and then records of illicit money transfers, and an Aaron Stoon personal history that he appeared to have composed while trying to memorize details of his fictitious life. Russia, of course, has denied Trukasov is a spy and requested his extradition from Brazil by presenting what 
U.S. officials regard as yet another fictional identity, claiming that he is neither a student nor a secret agent, but wanted heroin trafficker who fled Russia to avoid prison. So they're telling, the Russian government is telling the U.S. government, oh, he's not a spy. He's just trafficking heroin. We, and so we need you to extradite him back. Right. right. <laughs> While, it's, you, right? No. <laughs> While it's not clear whether United States will also seek Cherkasov's extradition, but U.S. officials said one of the considerations behind the indictment was that it might help preempt Russia's attempt to secure the return of its spy, like they're trying to get it back. Cherkasov was charged with illegally operating as a foreign agent, as well as multiple counts uh -huh. of bank, wire, and visa fraud. And of course, the Russian embassy in Washington did not respond to requests for comment. End quote. So that's like a little update. So thanks, Chatter Rob, for sending that's us the article. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So it still happens. Like, and like, I, I think we talked about it in in the Robert Hansen, it's like it's not a matter of if it happens again; it's a matter of when. Exactly. Well, hopefully, nobody has the reach that Robert Hansen had. <laughs> well, and the and the thing is, is like people like yeah, Cherkasov mm -hmm. is all it takes is that person to incidentally run into somebody at a higher level in the government right. Right. and then befriend them. That's all it takes, mm -hmm. really. Yeah. Uh, and shit can happen <laughs> yeah but even so that he he's trafficking drugs like why would we let him go like he needs to serve his time here yeah yeah anyway so thanks rob uh for sending you, that oh i'm gonna have that full article available on patreon oh. so i know your story today is about pigs so this is my second article that i was mentioning um and i found this article on historytoday.com about occurrences in europe where pigs were put on trial what <laughs> Seriously, you're going to laugh, okay. this whole thing. Okay. So putting a pig on trial appears to defy logic, but in medieval France, it gave rural folk the illusion of order in a frightening world. So a lot of the information I'm going to be quoting is going to come directly from this article. Okay, first... Quote. In December 1457, Asso and her six piglets were arrested in Savigny. I'm not French. I don't know how to pronounce that. So Savigny for the murder of a five-year-old boy. Together with their owner, Jehan Bailey, they were dragged to jail. And a month later, they were put on trial before a local judge. According to court records, <laughs> three lawyers were present, two for prosecution and one for the pig's defense. Oh my God. Nine witnesses were called by name, in addition to several others whose identities have been lost. Based on their testimony, the judge decided that, while Bailey, the owner, should have kept a much more careful eye on his animals, responsibility for the boy's murder lays squarely with the pigs. The sow had been clearly the ringleader. After consulting with experts in a local customary law, the judge solemnly sentenced her to death, stipulating that she could be hanged from a tree by her hind legs. The piglets were a different matter, though. Since there was no direct evidence they had participated in the murder, the judge decided to let them off on a quote unquote promise of good behavior. And this is a, this is a series. Like this is actually happened. It was horrifying surreal episode, but far from unique. Animal trials were a remarkably common feature in medi medieval and early modern justice, especially in France. Although exact numbers are hard to come by, more than 100 cases are known to have taken place between the 10th and 18th centuries, involving a manner of creatures and crime. Maybe that's what we should call this episode. Creatures, creatures and crime. And crime. <laughs> Mules were charged with sodomy, rats and locusts with the destruction of crops, cockerels with laying eggs in defiance of their nature, and dogs with theft. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I can't tell you about it. You're going to just have to just listen to it. <laughs> 
but pigs were by far the most common quote-unquote criminals in most every case they were accused of killing a child. In the earliest recorded pig trial took place in Fontenay-aux-Roses, again French, no idea how to say it, just outside of Paris in the year 1266. By the 15th century, however, they had become established practice throughout Normandy and the Les Lots de France. From there, they spread to Burgundy, Lorraine, Picardy, and Champagne, but before being exported to Italy, Germany, and the Low Countries. So, like, this, like, spread throughout Europe in this time frame. Proceedings generally followed a fixed pattern. So, unlike rats, field mice, eels, locusts, and ants, which, being wild, were subject to the ecclesiastical... <laughs> Try it again. Ecclesiastical <laughs> courts. Pigs, like horses, asses, jackasses, dogs, and sheep, fell under the purview of the secular authorities. So the other wild animals were more of like the church, right. ecclesiastical. Right. Haha, I got it that time. <laughs> <laughs> and these other animals fell under secular authorities. So after formal charges are drawn up, their case would be heard by a bailiff or a judge, sometimes proceeded with a stay in prison. Attorneys would be would present arguments and evidence would be examined and then witnesses would be summoned. Like they actually went through a whole like trial uh, yeah. to try animals. The outcome, however, was rarely in doubt. Most cases the accused would be found guilty and condemned to death. Of course, because they can't speak for themselves, even if they had attorneys. As in the case of the so and seventy, the preferred method of execution execution was hanging but other punishments were not known in 1266 for example the pig in the fontenay roses was burnt at the stake uh -huh. while in 1557 a porcelain criminal in san quentin was buried alive responsibility for carrying out the sentences was entrusted to a local executioner i mean i'm just like picturing okay, so they like had a salem witch trials exactly they had a barbecue <laughs> and the local executioner ate well okay yes if a town was too small to have its own local executioner one would be summoned from elsewhere mm -hmm. and brought in to do the execution in march of 1403 for example a hangman traveled over 50 kilometers from paris to Melouron to do justice mm -hmm. in a sow which had killed and eaten an infant but this was perhaps exceptional <laughs> as part of the remuneration executioners received a new pair of gloves as they did after hanging a human to signify they accrued no sin and carry on senses essentially like wiping their hands clean mm -hmm. like i'm just doing my job here man right right so the article kind of goes on and there's a lot of, like weird like little historical things but it kind of concludes here it says quote it could never be said that the pig trials were edifying but for legal historians they really bring home the bacon. <laughs> By examining how and why they took place, it's possible to gain an unusually clear insight into the development of French justice <laughs> and the often contradictory influences which shapes its social function. For while child-killing pigs may have embodied everything communities feared most, their cruel treatment reveals ambiguities of customary jurisprudence and the difficulties of using folk law to impose a structure on a harsh and unforgiving world. Fortunately for the pigs, legal attitudes towards animal culpability have changed dramatically since the heyday of porcelain portal, whatever that word is. Except in the rarest cases, swine need no longer fear the prosecution or capital punishment. But does that mean that we can treat them any more kindly than in the past? <laughs> Pigs might fly, mm -hmm. end quote. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the whole, like, yeah, when pigs fly mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, that was, like, a little bit of a kind of a funny, like, little article that I found. It's real. It's not made up. It's not, like, folklore. It's actually historically documented 
I'll list that one also in the Patreon so you guys can read it in full. Yeah, and I have a couple questions. One, I think I found a career that I would really enjoy. I would love to be the defense attorney for that pig. I just want to put them on the trial and be like, look how cute they are. Look how cute they are. Look how good they are. Look at the babies. Look at piglets. Look piglets. And if I can put some X's on that list, it'd be great. <laughs> I mean, they are pigs, right? Yes. <laughs> And even though the article says, like, yeah, like, when pigs fly, I I can't help but think of Dumbo. Have you ever seen an elephant fly? Poor piggy wiggies. They always get a bad rap, I swear. Well, I mean, this story's not going to do any good for their reputation. (laughs) Oh, swine. Today's crime chat is going to be about Susan Monica. Have you ever heard of her? I don't recall the name, but I think I'm aware of the story. It kind of sounds familiar. Yeah. Like, you told me a little bit about it, and... I'm just, I don't know, I don't remember any details, so. (laughs) There is a lot that's not known about her past. That's the problem. So it's like, before the crimes, we have no idea. There's literally no record of her. Mm -hmm. There could be a couple of reasons for that, and I'll get into it. So we don't know anything about her family. We don't know if she has siblings. We don't know how her upbringing was. We don't know what school Mm. she went to. We have no idea. And I think the reason for that is because Susan may be trying to get a book deal. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. The show Snapped did cover the story. That's why I used to, like, watch nothing but Snapped Mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. Was your husband worried when you were watching that all the time? 100%. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, honey, I'm just trying to learn of things that didn't work. Why why is somebody always screaming when I walk in this house on the TV? I always watched it, and then I... We don't have cable anymore. I think it was on Oxygen. Mm. So we just stream everything. Mm. I haven't seen it in a long time, actually. So they did cover the case, but once again, they didn't have much information. They just elaborated on what they had, which was mostly about the crime. Did you watch it? I did. Okay. So what we do know about Susan Monica is that she was born on July 8th, 1948 in California as Stephen Mm -hmm. Bucknan. Oh, shit. She was a he. Transgender, right. Transgender, yes. Susan served in the U.S. Navy during the Vietnam War. That war lasted from 1955 to 1975. Mm -hmm. She served as a man and Mm -hmm. was honorably discharged. Mm -hmm. After her discharge is when she began her life as a woman and she Mm -hmm. changed her name to Susan Monica. Now, this could be the reason why we really can't locate her online. Mm -hmm. She started working as a construction engineer. Now, this lady knew a lot about she she was she was a kind of a, a worker bee so she also okay. knew a lot about welding she probably did that in the navy they probably trained her to do mm-hmm. that yeah. and that was able to yeah. you know help her afterwards yeah yeah she could operate construction machinery she was and she was super smart like she was super smart and she mm-hmm. was very successful at this so while she was in california this was her trade this is what she did and she would mm-hmm. do like mm-hmm. custom gates or like some type of, you know, iron work or something, which is, could be a big ticket mm-hmm. item. So she, yeah. she made a good living. People who worked with her in California, they described her as hardworking, dedicated, always got the job done, mm-hmm. which is very military. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Because if you don't get it right, drop and give me 20, 50, <laughs> 500. <laughs> So people also said that she was quiet and that she did stay to herself. Mm-hmm. Also, she's transitioning, so mm-hmm. that could have been that 
too. Mm-hmm. Susan's dream was to live in the country, off the grid, and be away from all the hustle and the bustle. So she decided to purchase a 20-acre lot in a rural area of Oregon called Weimer. Have you ever heard of it? Weimer, Oregon? Nope. I never heard of it nope. either. I think it's like in the middle of nowhere. Well, it probably. <laughs> yeah. The property was just woods. It was completely undeveloped. Mm-hmm. There was nothing. There was nothing on this property other than wildlife and woods. Yeah. But she she was not somebody that scared easily. And she likes being alone. And she's very handy. And she really didn't need much. Mm-hmm. So the big piece of property did not have any type of house on it. It didn't have running water. No electricity. And she kind of wanted it that way. She wanted to be off the grid. Yeah. Something like that is very scary for she also liked the idea that she can start all of the buildings from scratch and just do it herself yeah like build her own house yeah yeah after she bought the property she purchased construction equipment such as those big cat machines Mm -hmm. the plows and the trucks and she started cleaning out the property during this time susan also started a business and she called it white Queen Construction. I like that name. Interesting. Yeah. It's like an icy queen. Elsa. Yeah, like an Elsa. (laughs) She continued to build custom iron fences and gates for people, and she Mm -hmm. made some side money. She started building a great reputation in the community. People Mm -hmm. knew her as a good worker. She made quality gates, and she enjoyed her property and was looking forward to building a farm. Mm -hmm. Everybody always said she kept to herself. Okay. The first project was... To build a big barn. Susan loved animals. Mm-hmm. In one interview with the police after the crimes were committed, she actually said, like, yeah, I like animals more than people. Like, <laughs> I can hurt a person, but don't tell, ask me to hurt an animal. Like, that's who she is. I... I could kind of agree. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I might have animals over people any day. She was super honest about it. She was like, yeah, no, I don't I don't like people or whatever. And that's fine. Yeah. She knew what she was building her little world without people. So mm-hmm. she got a bunch of pigs, chickens, and horses. She ended up building this barn, and then she built, like, a little shack next to it. And I'll have pictures on the Patreon mm-hmm. because, yeah, I, I call it a barn. I call it a shack. But... No, it kind of looks like a hangar, and like the hangar roof is not entirely Mm -hmm. installed, and there's a lot of clutter. When I say clutter, I mean Susan apparently was a hoarder and like a trash picker. Uh, So, so I, I was on her winning team up (laughs) until now. Like I'm all for her. Like it's like yeah, anything more than what a Swiffer can take care of, I'm out. So I'll post pictures and stuff, but yeah, it it looked abandoned, but it wasn't. It was a new building, but it was pieced together with rusty tin, and Mm -hmm. it was a big mess. Mm -hmm. She also realized that the real struggle was maintaining the 20 acres, and she needed help. Sure. That's work. Oh, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. The barn was her favorite place at first. When she got, like, the animals and stuff, she built the stalls and like the pig pen Mm -hmm. but she wasn't living in a shed she was actually living in the makeshift barn barn yeah okay there's a picture of her bed now i'm gonna put on the patreon Mm -hmm. the bed was foot away from the pig pen Mm. and that's where she lived and she just loved her animals she probably smelled like it too yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) so and because there was no running water and there was no like bathroom Did she have, like, a pond or a lake or something on her property? Do you know? That's where things are very unclear. I'm guessing she had some type of stream running through this property. Right. Or maybe she was looking for a well or I don't know. Uh, It's not something I would do. I don't know. 
Not like that. Not like that. No. No. Because there, there were stories that said that she had electricity, but then what they call electricity is a battery-powered flashlight. So okay. Running water could be a strain. I don't know. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People would often say that she was dirty when she came into town. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I can picture it. And she would stop by, like, local restaurants to eat or go shopping or pick up food for her animals. People would say that she was kind of intimidating looking because, you know, I remember in her past life she was a man, a military. Mm -hmm. So she had just a demeanor about her that was a little intimidating. Right. Plus... She was over six feet tall, and she was heavy set. Did she have the surgery? No. Okay, so she's just, uh, I would say, without, she identifies as a mm-hmm. woman, but still has the, an, the anatomy okay. of a man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was a thing then. I, I don't know what, no. what year around time frame this is. I don't think it was a, a, maybe available or readily available as it is today. Right. I think she just identified and she just kind of started living as a woman. She did wear a wig. Mm -hmm. um, Didn't have a wig on. She wore like the nice wrap or something. But she, you know, she looked like she was working on a farm and she didn't care Mm -hmm. what she looked like or how she smelt or anything like Mm -hmm. that. And honestly, I don't know if she took showers. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. A lot of people would say like, listen, she's a rough old lady living off of the grid. Right. Right. That's how people took her, and she was actually really nice to everybody. People would say that she would help them no matter what. If you asked Susan, like, I, I need your help, she would be like, not a problem. Mm-hmm. She would deliver food from the restaurants to her elderly friends who no longer can get out. She had a heart. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> the, the property was getting a lot for her to handle. 20 acres for her mm-hmm. was a lot. So she decided to run Craigslist ads for people to do odd jobs and maintain the property for her. And she offered, she's like, uh, I'll give you a place to stay with some cash. Mm-hmm. And she got a lot of people that would come in, then they would move on. They were like transient. Sure, sure, sure. Most of them had either a criminal record or they were struggling right. to find work already. And she gave them, you know, hard cash because she was off the grid. Mm-hmm. And if they mm-hmm. had an RV, great, you can park it on her property or if you didn't have an RV go grab yourself a tent and you can stay on the property. Mm -hmm. She did that for about 20 years and a lot of people came through like they can't even count. Which brings us to Susan's first crime. In December 2013 the family of Robert Haney got worried about him. Robert was another loner. Mm -hmm. No cell phone, no address he was a nomad. Mm -hmm. He traveled wherever he can find work. He was a handyman and he had his RV and it was Mm -hmm. filled with all the tools that he collected over the years and tools are not cheap no 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 they're not this Mm -hmm. is your life I mean those tools were gold to him Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. he kind of worked independently and off the grid as well Mm -hmm. however his three kids always heard from him he would call them during the holidays he would check in on them like every three months but this December they didn't hear from him You know, they were getting worried. They decided to look at the last known place that he said he was staying, and that was his employer, Susan Monica. On January 1st, 2014, Robert's three kids knocked on the barn door of Susan Monica. They said they were looking for their father, Robert. Susan told them he worked on her farm in the spring, and he was a really nice worker, but in August 2013, she noticed a big difference in him. She said he started to drink heavily and was angry all the time, and then he started not to work. And Susan doesn't like that. Like, Susan's a mm-hmm. worker bee. We can't have that. We can't have that. 
She told them that he wanted to get revenge on somebody that assaulted his daughter. And ironically, like, the three kids, it was his two Mm -hmm. sons and his daughter. So she knew exactly. Oh. Yeah. So that conversation did happen. So the daughter knew that she was telling the truth at that point. Yeah. He confided in her that, you know what, he felt really guilty that his daughter went through such an event and that he wasn't there Mm -hmm. to protect her because he was always traveling and running away from everything, Mm -hmm. basically. She went into the story mm-hmm. about confronting Robert about his behavior and that also that he had stopped working on the farm, which really annoyed her, and also to possibly fire him. But she said before she was able to speak to him, he okay. gave her an envelope of cash and asked her to look after his dog. She then called the dog to greet them to, as proof. Yeah, like, here's the dog. He's The dog's here. Yeah, come here, Fido. She stated the last time she saw him, he gave her the envelope, gave her the dog, and then walked away, got into this strange white car, mm-hmm. and then drove off. Mm-hmm. Susan said she never heard from Robert again, and she never even looked for him. Mm-hmm. Like, she wasn't even concerned. Like, she's like, if you want to leave, leave, whatever. Yeah. She didn't care. Yeah. She wasn't a people person. During the conversation, she told them that he did leave his RV, though, mm-hmm. if they can remove it. It's in her way. It's, you know, yard garbage. It's evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Can you guys take that out? Yeah, that's for me. The three kids went to look at the RV, and they noticed that all of Robert's things were still there. But most concerning was that Robert left all his tools. Oh. If he was alive, he would need yeah. his tools to survive. Yeah. At this point, they left the farm, and they decided to drive to the Jackson County Sheriff's Office to file a missing persons report. Mm-hmm. But the sheriff told them that this would be really hard because, one, he lives a transient lifestyle. He's a nomad. And there, there's not much to go on. I don't want to do my job (laughs) it's gonna cost me too much work when we had that conversation about when police were trying to look for like strippers yeah they would jump towns and stuff so it was really hard to kind of pinpoint their activity because they don't have like a homestead right they're like always on the move which you know the faster you move from one place to the next like the lower Mm -hmm. amount of paper trail that somebody could follow which also makes nowadays with technology the electronic footprint Makes it uh, makes it easier. Uh-huh. I wouldn't say easy, but easier. Right, and they're running. Most of these people are running away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But police did agree with the kids, and they said, oh, yeah, this this is not passing a sniff test. Like, there's mm-hmm. something we need to look into. <laughs> Sir? You smell like a pig pen, okay? That's what I was going to I was say. Smells a little swiney around here. <laughs> so the police worked with the kids. You know, one of the kids said, hey, my dad has an EBT card. Okay. Does that help? And the cop is like, hell yeah, that's totally traceable. Mm-hmm. So the police then requested the trace for the past month, mm-hmm. and they realized that, oh yeah, that EBT card was getting used. Oh. Last time it was used, like, it was within a week, and it was at the local Walmart. Police went over to the Walmart and said, hey, you got surveillance photo of this or a video mm-hmm. or something, and they did. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh my God, we found Robert. We get to reunite him and his kids. They found out the person using Robert's card was Susan. Yeah. <sighs> the police obtained a search warrant. They're like, okay, we're going to go in. I mean, 20 acres, we yeah. got to go in. January 10th, they knocked on the barn door. That's the barn door. <laughs> I don't even say door. It's the barn door. Susan was shocked to see them. The investigator asked to enter the home mm-hmm. while police searched the property, I guess, to separate her from what was going on. And the inv- investigator told her, dude, I have, well, not dude, <laughs> ma'am. Ma'am. I have you on camera using Robert's stolen EBT card. Please explain. She went into this long story. She said, well, that wasn't stolen. I didn't 
deal anything. He left that for me along with an envelope of cash and his EBT card and his dog. And he gave me Mm -hmm. his PIN number to his EBT card. So that's proof that I didn't steal it. When the cash runs out, just use the card to pay for food for his dog. The police are like, all right, that's a story. It's a story. It's a story. During the conversation, an officer came into the the kitchen part of the barn. Mm-hmm. He whispered into the, the detective's ear of who was questioning her. Apparently, the detective was like, I didn't expect for my deputy to say what he said to me, which was, hey, we found a leg. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the sheriff at that point is like, we're bringing you back for questioning. At this point, they asked her straight up, has anybody died on this property? They also realized that it's a big piece of property and it's sure. been owned before. So you, you don't know what's what's going on. But has anybody died that you know of? Has anybody died on the property? And in her response, it is, I put down crazy sauce because it is crazy sauce. I am going uh, to have the videos on Patreon. Her interviews? Yeah. <laughs> she changed her story. She stated that Robert actually returned to the farm And recently he returned to the farm. Mm -hmm. She stated one morning she woke up and just went out to go feed her pigs. Out where? You literally, your bed is right there. (laughs) I got up. I stretched. (laughs) (sighs) I turned to the right and fed the I went to get the slop (laughs) and a bucket. She stated that she noticed that her pigs were ravenously eating something on the floor of the pig pen. She tried to push them away. Now, these are big-ass pigs. Mm. I have pictures of them, too. Mm. They're not the little itty-bitties right behind you. Not the little pigwits. Not the little pigwits. These suckers are, like, 500 pounds. Like, they're, like, big, 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 big. That's a big piece of bacon. It's a big, big. She stated that she tried to push them away, and then she noticed what was lying on the floor, and it was Robert. They were eating Robert. She stated that Robert was laying on his back. His intestines at that point had been gouged out by the pigs going after what they say. So I looked into why pigs do this. So they go after the soft tissue. I guess all wild animals do that. Sure, yeah, yeah, the eyes and the tongue. And your gut is another area that they will rip rip into. Mm -hmm. His intestines were laying around. And he was still alive, Kat. I don't mean to laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you do. So... I'm thinking what I would have said if he was like, oh, he was drinking all the time and he wasn't working. I would have been like, I woke up one morning and he apparently in a drunken stupor had fallen into the pig pen. I tried to save him. And that would have been my story. Exactly. And who's going to contradict you? A pig? They're like, fuck no. The law's been screwy to us. (laughs) Well, they've been put on trial before. Right, exactly. (laughs) When police heard that Robert was still alive, they were sitting there going, what? This poor man is literally getting eaten alive. Mm -hmm. She stated he was moving his arms and he was moaning. Susan said that the pigs were really strong. And I can understand that. Like they were strong and they were in like this feeding frenzy. Mm -hmm. And that she couldn't move them away from him. There was just no way of getting Robert out of there. Not to mention he's technically split in two at this point. Susan stated to police she did the most humane thing to do at the time. Which She went back to her bed, which was three feet away. She grabbed her shotgun. (laughs) She came back and shot Robert in the head. Put him out of his misery. Okay. Okay. All right. Fine. After this, she just left the pig pen, went on, started working, doing her thing, and she didn't go back to the pig pen till three days later. Mm. When she went back, she just took a black garbage bag and just picked Mm -hmm. up whatever they didn't eat. Mm -hmm. She just threw it into the trash pile outside the barn. Did she burn her trash? Maybe she did. I don't know, but she didn't burn it this time. Okay. That's stupid. Like, why wouldn't you burn the trash? (laughs) 
People who don't want to pay for somebody to come pick it up to go drop it off themselves. Right. Well, what else do you do with it? You burn it. Or if you're hiding a body, burn the fucking trash. Yeah. It was just trash. It was revealed the leg bone that the deputy found actually belonged to Robert. Okay. Police figured that, you know, when she threw the bag over to the trash pile, other wild animals melted and they took it. Whatever was left of his remains were scattered all over the property. Robert is now one with the property. Yes. He is now one. (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay. We're just laughing out of discomfort here. Yeah, it is uncomfortable. So police asked her why. She didn't call 911. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The man is being eaten alive by pigs. You're miles and miles away from any type of help. There's no way you're going to control these these beasts at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay, so say you did do the most humane thing, which was put him out of his misery. Right. Why didn't you call the police? Yeah. Does she have a landline? No. Or a cell phone? No. Oh. But she can get in okay. her car and go to the police sure, station. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. They were like, why didn't you... Tell us. Why didn't you report it, essentially? Yeah, they were actually being very nice in the interview. They were like, okay, if that's true, and you had to put Mm -hmm. him out of his misery, Mm -hmm. you should have told us afterwards so we can notify his family and stuff like that. She stated her pigs were one of her revenue streams of cash, and that Mm -hmm. she didn't want to lose business. Listen, if people knew that her pigs were eating people and they were killer pigs, they wouldn't be worth anything. They're going to take my pigs away and put them on trial. Right. (laughs) And execute them. (laughs) You're taking money out of my pocket. Right. (laughs) And also, a lot of her clients were organic. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, that will fuck up your business. (laughs) Grass-fed? I mean, it it could be true if the body was buried in the ground and could be grass. I I don't know. I guess we're organic. We are. We are. The only thing that's not organic is the murder part. The police did not feel that she was telling the whole truth. (laughs) No. And she agreed to take a polygraph test. Okay. During the polygraph test, she started to act weird. Now, she was a calm, cool, and collected throughout the entire interrogation. The minute they strapped her to the polygraph, she started to twitch. She started to cough really sharply. She started to do things like that that would kind of mess with her system. I looked this up, how to pass a polygraph test. I can't, you can't tell me. You can't tell me. I know, I know. So I'm going to tell chatters. So apparently that, you know, if you're hooked up to one of these machines, (laughs) you could fuck up the machine by coughing. I didn't hear that. Because if I ever have to take, if I ever have to take a polygraph, psychologically, you would know, um, even if you don't try to do countermeasures, psychologically, they would be able to know and they would, you would not be able to pass because of that. That's why I just went, la, 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 Really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So I didn't hear you. Okay, good. Okay, good. (laughs) With all this, her test was inconclusive. Good. It wasn't that good, but like, I gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) The Jackson County Sheriff's Department, I have to admit, they seem like a nice bunch because they were like, you know what, Susan, we'll give you a second chance. Second chance sells the truth. Second chance sells your story. Mm -hmm. Second chance for the polygraph test. Mm -hmm. Guess what happened? Same thing happened. She didn't pass. And the detectives were like, all right, I'm done. I'm done. So was the second one also inconclusive or was Uh deception indicated? The second one didn't even get to that point. They stopped it. They were just like, enough. Yeah, so it's inconclusive. Yeah. Enough with your bullshit, Susan. Yeah. The investigator walked into the interrogation room and said, hey, listen, I got like 30 deputies on your property right now and they are searching tell me if they're gonna find something if you're telling me Mm -hmm. they're not gonna find anything and they do you're in trouble but if you if you come clean to me now we can negotiate this is your one chance susan one chance 
This is That's the only it. chance you're going to get. She looked at them and said, okay, give me a piece of paper. She drew the outline of her property, and then she put an X mm-hmm. mark, and she goes, uh-huh. here is where you're going to find Stephen Delacino. Oh, X marks the spot. She told them in 2012, she hired Stephen, and they had a falling out. Wow. She said that she caught him stealing, and then they got into a fight. She grabbed a gun. Okay. She shot him, and in the interrogation, she actually says, well, I, there was a gun involved, mm-hmm. and it went off, and the cop's like, well, whose gun was it? She's like, oh, it was my gun. It, who was holding it? Oh, I was holding it. Oh, so you shot the man. It just went off. I didn't mean to shoot him. Right, exactly. I just pointed it at him and pulled the trigger. He ironically... After getting shot, he just tumbled into the pig pen. Right, right. Pig swarmed around him and ate him. And then she picked up the pieces and just yeah. buried whatever. This time she buried him. She didn't throw him away like Robert. Mm-hmm. And she also said, mm-hmm. I didn't report this either because, mm-hmm. once again, I didn't want my pigs euthanized. I didn't want to get a bad reputation. Murderous pigs. Oh, my God. <laughs> Terrible. They'll be on trial. They will be put on trial. And executed. Her trial started on April 21st, 2015. And Susan would try to claim self-defense from these two men. She was found guilty on Mm. two counts of murder and two Mm -hmm. counts of abuse of a corpse. She was sentenced to a minimum of 50 years in prison before she's eligible for parole. Yeah. While in custody, she actually admitted that there are 17 more bodies on that property. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) And police said... They have been searching, but they can only search for so long. They don't know who they're searching for because a lot of people, like I said, were nomads and they were just traveling for whatever. So Mm -hmm. we don't know. The prosecuting Mm -hmm. attorney said that he literally had nightmares after this case. When she went to prison, she was 66 years old. And unless she lives to past 106, I mean, she's never getting out. She's done. The video of the trial, it's so crazy because when you see her on the farm, she looks like like you wouldn't yeah. mess with her like yeah. she looks like a rough person mm-hmm. in trial man mm-hmm. she cleaned up real good i bet she was a she was I an bet. attractive lady like she was really put together super fucking smart i would say probably the persona of being a fragile yes you know hair in a bun the old um only thing I can think of is like what you'd wear at Easter yes. Sunday church with the big bow in the front mm-hmm. and you know her, her little handbag. She doesn't look like the same person. <laughs> she looks totally different. But yeah, she's. I think she's coming out with a book. Okay. I'm sorry. So that's the case of Susan Monica I, and her little piggies. This little piggy went to the market. <laughs> so why two first names, Susan Monica? Susan Monica. I don't know, maybe it's like a drag persona. Hey, I mean, maybe, like but like, name. I'm just, I'm curious. I don't know. Susan, Monica. So, stand by for an, a book, mm. maybe. Oh, yeah. She's probably, I mean, yeah. but what is she going to do with the so. money? She doesn't have a family, right? I mean, she's got siblings. We don't know. I, imagine. I don't know. Like, we, there's not much, like you said, known of her previous before going into the Navy. But, I mean, what what is she going to do with the with the money? It would be know. the revenue that would come with a biography, essentially. Like, what are you going to do with it? I don't know. Maybe she's still thinking she can get out. Also, like, you know, being trans, I don't know. Like, when you... Because we had the situation happen. Remember when we had that... When we spoke about John Benet Ramsey? Mm-hmm. One of the suspects. Mm-hmm. He was a pedophile. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he changed his gender and nobody can find him now. Yeah. Yeah. So, we don't know who she was before. And I think that's... 
she we don't know she could have been a murderer before we have no well, idea. well that's exactly what i was thinking like it, it could have been something that maybe it was catching up to him right so he took his trade made some money became a she right. changed locations yeah running. yeah yeah wow yeah right i love bacon though i want bacon now oh, i'm kind of hungry <laughs> well i was i i mean i don't I thought this was a cannibal story. I don't know why. Like, I thought... You thought it was a cannibal I story? Guess it, yeah, but I guess it was just food for the pigs, not food for her. I don't know. I thought it was cannibal, cannibalistic. There's, like, a joke, I think, after that Hannibal movie. Watch out for somebody who owns a pig farm. <laughs> this is why. Because pigs can devour and yeah. digest yeah. human bone and teeth. Yeah, yeah. They're ravenous. And they're cute. They're so cute. But when they're piglets. And little piggy wiggies. Oh, how cute. Oh, my God. This is terrible. This is a crime chat, and we're like, oh, look at that. <laughs> I don't know, pig workers. <laughs> I always, I don't know, like, I always thought about getting, like, a little piglet, but then when they get to be, like, 500 pounds. They have the potbelly pigs that only get to, like, 20, 30 pounds. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Maybe after um, our our puppers cross over the rainbow, mm. maybe uh, I can talk Chris into getting a pig. <laughs> He'll be like, no. No, no, no. Cat's pig farm. Watch out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, because we don't want to leave you hanging chatters for more information on this case, please check out After That Crime Chat, only available on Patreon. And don't forget to follow us on all our socials, Crime Chat with Nat and Cat, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, to see what we got coming up, and our website, Mm. Crime Chat with Nat and Cat, Cat. Yes, remember, Crime Chat with Nat and Cat. When you become a chatter on our Patreon, you will have access to bonus episodes, behind the scenes, bloopers, free merch, and also please check out some new merch in the works, which is on our website. Yes, but speaking of bonus episodes, next week is bonus. Mm -hmm. So bonus episodes are when there's five Saturdays in a month. There are five Saturdays in April, so that last Saturday is going to be a bonus episode that you will only be able to hear in full on Patreon. Yeah, the last one we had was the New Year's Eve one, and Mm -hmm. people liked that one. That was a good one. It was good. Oh, I gotta follow up with that, because now is, right around now is the time, remember the two that I did. They went on their shooting spree, Mm-hmm. And I need, they were scheduled for court in March. I need to check on that and see yes. if they had their court. Give us an update. Yes. Definitely. Oh, God. You don't want to miss it, Chad. No. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you on the bonus episode. See you next time. Bye. Bye.